Good morning. There they go. The first week back to Kids Church. Have a good time, you guys. Be nice to Miss Londa. I don't know about you, but it gives me stress when I see all that many kids together. Londa just loves it. She just eats it up. She loves seeing. If I saw all those kids running toward me, oh, you guys are you guys are just fine. I like being in here with you guys. Thank you, Londa. Um, hey, we're at the beginning of a new church year, 22-23 church year, school year. The church year and school year kind of run the same because I noticed the last two weeks, where were y'all? It was a little bit, little bit scarce in here the last two weeks, but that's the way it is in the summertime. You know, what, where we live, when the weather is nice, we appreciate it because it isn't nice all that long, and you've got to get while the getting's good, and then uh, right about this Sunday every year, y'all come back, and you do, so it's really good to see you. This morning, we're going to go into the book of Colossians, so if you open your Bible or your app, you can go to Colossians chapter 1. The title of this message is The Head of the Church, The Supremacy and the Sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Colossians is this little out-of-the-way town, not unlike Newton, actually a little more out-of-the-way than Newton. Um, it is in uh, the, the area of Asia, uh, Asia Minor, some people would call it. Let's see, go to that next slide. Let's look at the map. You can't see all that much, but if you look right in the center, you've got that little island, and then up to the right, there's Miletus, and then Laodicea, and then over, there's Colossae. Just this little town that Paul actually never went to on Paul's missionary journeys. He did three of them, maybe even four. He never went to Colossae, but he spent a lot of time in Ephesus. And while he was in Ephesus, a guy named Epaphras scooched over the 100 miles or so to Ephesus and got to know Jesus through Paul's teaching and the teachings of those that Paul was with and the ones that Paul discipled while he was in Ephesus. He was there for three, maybe even four years and Epaphras took the gospel back to Colossae and started a church. People believed in Jesus because of Epaphras and because of his witness. And then it happened as it always does. This book is written while the witnesses to Jesus' resurrection are still alive. So it's not really, the church isn't that old at all. Not, not very old. Maybe a couple decades. But it happens. Doubt, error, false teaching, false teachers, they kind of creep in. And it's always, oh, no, no, we like Jesus. We, we love Jesus. But you've also got to do this. Yeah, you've got to believe in Jesus, but you also have to. I mean, what about the law? I mean, what about our traditions? I mean, we're in the Gentile land. We've got other gods. We've got this uh, new space program thing that's happening the Artemis project, the Artemis something, and I thought, oh, could they have picked a little better name? Artemis is this, this false god, this, this ancient Greek god. Apparently the, uh, the twin of Apollo. And so now it's not the Apollo program, now it's the Artemis program. But a Greek god, there were a lot of gods. So Jesus is okay as long as he knows his place, one among many, one among many of the gods. It's no different today, you guys. It's the same thing today. We get called to believe in a lot of different things. 
If you go off to college, you'll, you'll hear some people that will say, oh, there will be some that will just trash Christianity, but there'll be others that will say Christianity is a fine religion. It's one of the major world, world religions, one of the major world religions. And it's, we can't, we can't be, uh, you know, Christianity-centric. It's just one of many religions. This doesn't have to be the best. The others are good too. But all of you have a dad, somebody, a biological father. There was only one. All of you did, unless one of you is Jesus. Nope. Oh, you're all Jesus, <laughs> the body of Christ. No, you all had a dad, and it's like one person. You didn't have like five different people who are your biological father. In the same way, right, there's, there's, there's one God. There's just one. There's not one of the major gods. Um, they may be major world religions, but there's only one that really created the heavens and the earth, right? So they moved into Colossae and they started sowing doubt and mistrust of the gospel that Paul had preached and that Epaphras had brought over. So Paul is writing, he gets out his, uh, well, actually, he asked, probably asked Timothy to write for him. And then at the end of the letter in chapter 4, you'll see that he's like, uh, this last little bit I've written with my own hand. I've actually written this down myself. It's a very personal few words to some very special people. So Paul is writing, he's writing to tell them Jesus is supreme. We need to hear that today. I think that's a good word for us to hear the first day back in the, in the school grind, you know, back in the church year. Think our programs are going to start up again. Jesus is supreme and he's sufficient. We don't need anything else. We don't need Jesus plus doesn't work. <laughs> Jesus plus nobody. Jesus plus nothing. Faith in Jesus, who is supreme. The clarity of who Jesus is comes through in the book of Colossians more so than in any other of Paul's writings. He gets so, he hones in, he gets so focused and clear about who Jesus is. And we're going to see that in Colossians. I was coming down Merle Hay Boulevard Avenue recently going, I was going south. And I, I was the first one to come upon this accident, this SUV and this car. And the car was traveling north on Merle Hay and the SUV was traveling west coming on to Merle Hay and they just T-boned them. And that SUV, the whole front was just destroyed destroyed and the little car got pushed over into oncoming traffic and was sitting facing the wrong way in a turn in a turn lane and I was just there I mean it had just happened and I pulled off quick and I ran over to the little, little car and a, a girl was driving and a guy was with her and um, they were they were all they were all messed up not physically but emotionally and psychologically they were upset they were mad there was all kinds of stuff coming out of their mouth and coming into their head and out of their mouth. And, and I, so I'm there, I'm outside the car and I'm trying to watch the traffic so that I don't get hit and so that they don't get hit. 
and I begin to talk them through what's going on and what's happening, and, and I try to give them a different perspective other than the things they were thinking about the other driver that, who T-boned them. They weren't thinking nice things about him, although he's sitting with his whole thing just destroyed. I've never seen a car, the front end of it, just basically from the dashboard forward, just completely destroyed and open and mangled. And yet there he was standing there. He was fine. He was fine. These two were fine. A little bumps, a few scrapes. The guy's leg wasn't working all that great, but I got them across the street and onto the grass, and they just didn't see that. I had to work on changing their perspective. Um, and then finally, when I saw it turn, was when I said to them, they were standing next to me, and I said, hey, look at these vehicles, and you guys are standing here talking to me. Thank God you're standing here talking to me. And that's when I saw them, they, they had a little different perspective. I mean, they didn't, they didn't fall down and confess Jesus as their Savior at that point, but I could see they had a little different perspective. And, and I said God loudly to them, I, you know, thank God that you guys are standing here talking to me. It could be a lot worse because we can take care of, your car can be taken care of. And then the mom showed up, her mom showed up, and I shared the same thing with her, and then I left. But you know what I realized? The evil one is always there, always trying to bring in false, uh, false teaching, fake news if you want to call it that, always trying to bring in things that aren't true, always trying to turn our perspective from the things that God wants us to see to the things that the evil one wants us to see. It was happening in Colossae. There they were, a new church, a young church, and within just that first generation, they needed somebody to write to them and say, no, no, listen, this is how you've got to see your faith. This is how you've got to view Jesus. This is what the truth is. Because the liar, the Satan, he's coming in and trying to give you all kinds of false teaching. So I'm going to read to you Colossians chapter 1. It's not up on the screen or on your handout sheets, but if you've got a Bible, you can look. Colossians 1, just the first eight verses. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae. He identifies them. They're his holy people. The faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all, all God's people, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. That's kind of the intro. That's the intro. You people who have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you, the church in Colossae, you're holy. You're the people of God. You're loved by God. You have a love for other people. You have joy. You have faith. And you heard it. You heard this gospel from Epaphras. Now, on the screen is going to be verses 9 through 14. And it says this. For this reason, 
for this reason. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with what? Fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So now in your handouts, there's a number one, two, three, however many. The first one is, we are his holy people in the kingdom of light. There's a lot of kingdoms in our world today. There's almost as many kingdoms as there are apps, you know, phone apps, tablet apps, computer apps. There's as many kingdoms as there are political parties and religions and organizations and clubs, schools. Everything calls for us to be devoted to it. Everything vies for our attention. Excuse me. We're all asked to be a part of something. There's a lot of kingdoms, but here it says in verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. He's going to talk about light. He's going to talk about kingdom a lot in the book of Colossians. In fact, Paul talks about both of these things. Notice it's not the kingdom of darkness. It's not the kingdom of shadows, but it's the kingdom of light. And it is a kingdom. Jesus is the king. And all kings have kingdoms. All kings have an area that they rule and reign over. And Jesus is no different. He's the king and the kingdom of light. And we are holy. He calls us holy people in a kingdom of light. That gives us perspective. Look where else Paul wrote about the, the same idea. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's on the screen, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This one who's the image of God has glory, and it's displayed in the gospel, the good news, the reality that Jesus saves, that Jesus died, that Jesus sacrificed himself. That's good news. And in Jesus, we see the image of God. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, for God said, for God who said, the one who said, let light shine out of darkness. He reaches back and calls out of Genesis chapter 1. He says, God is the one who said, let light shine out of darkness. He's the one who made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You see these similar things. Jesus, what he shows to us, Glory, light, 
the king and his kingdom, Paul is nothing if not redundant and repetitive in his teaching. And he says that this one who said in the beginning, let there be light, now he he shines light in our hearts. This one who created the sun, moon, and stars, he shines the light of the gospel in our hearts. And then this is the verse that pops up in this context in verse 7. But we have this treasure, this treasure of the gospel in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This glory, this light that's like creation light that shines in us, we have it in our earthly bodies, in our human bodies. We carry this treasure around and we get to share it with other people. This thing that this Jesus who is supreme over any teaching, any dogma, any doctrine, any uh, value in this world, Jesus has the supremacy. Jesus is sufficient and he sits on top of anything that this world can offer us. Any ideas, hey, this is really good, you should try this. Oh, you've got to hear about this. Oh, you have to read this book. Oh, sign on to this ideology or this doctrine or this, doesn't matter. Jesus alone, sufficient, is supreme over all of it. And it's this light of truth, this light of the gospel that God shines in our hearts. Number two on your handouts, we've been rescued and brought into the kingdom of Jesus. We have been rescued and brought into the kingdom. Recently, I saw a story of of one of the guys who helped our troops in Afghanistan and his family. He wanted to get them out. He couldn't get them out. He was stuck there after a year ago when everything got pulled out. And he was talking about how he got rescued, how the guys that he worked with didn't forget him. And eventually they came for him. I don't know if it was a, I don't remember, a month or two or three afterwards. But he got brought out. He got rescued and he got brought to the United States. He was so thankful. He was so thankful to have been remembered and to have been cared enough about that they went back and they brought him. And he was thankful that he was in a place where he didn't have to fear for his safety. He didn't have to fear for the life of his family. And when we look at this number two here, we've been rescued and brought into the kingdom of Jesus. We haven't experienced, you know, everyone leaving and the last plane taking off and there we are in the country where people are going to want to kill us. We haven't experienced that. We've just been dead in our trespasses and sins. And the devil was our father. But many of us, we didn't live that horrible of a life. We weren't in that desperate of straits, but we were. We were in those desperate straits. We were lost. We were without hope. We were without God in this world, and we were rescued. Just as certain as that guy and his family were rescued from the Middle East and brought here, we were rescued, and we were brought into a new kingdom, the kingdom of light, You see hostages that get taken overseas, and sometimes it's years. In fact, there are some right now, right, that are waiting to come home. But you see them when they come home. They come down the plane steps, and they they step onto the tarmac, and they get down on their hands and knees, and they kiss the ground because they're so thankful 
to be home and to be rescued. They've been sometimes redeemed. They've been bought. We've paid off their captors so that we could get their freedom and they could come back here. And this is the idea here that we see. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. There's a lot of people trying to get into our country and not, not talking at all about any of the political stuff, not making it political, but we just think about the people around the world those at the border, yes, but around the world, you go to other countries and you ask them, hey, what, you know, what would you like, what's your greatest goal in life? And so many people would say, oh, I want to go to America. I want to go to America. I want to go to the United States. They want to be rescued. They want to be in a good place. They want to be where there's freedom and light and love. And they see this place as that. It isn't always that. But compared to so many other places, it's a wonderful place. But it can't be compared to the kingdom of God. No country on the planet, as good as we have it here, there's no country that compares with the kingdom of God. And we are part of that kingdom of light. He has rescued us from this dominion of darkness. A year ago, this month, we were in darkness when the sun went down for about a week, right? Many of us didn't have electricity after the derecho. And I remember after a couple days of that, I started to dread in the after, late afternoon. I'd see the sun starting to go down and inside the house was starting to get dark. I'm like, oh man, you know, we, couldn't, we couldn't turn the lights on. It was darkness. I started to dread that. was so glad when the electricity came back on. If it was dark, it didn't matter. We could just turn the lights on. We could have light. But when we're in the dominion of darkness, this is where darkness rules. That's where the king of darkness rules, the Satan rules. And God rescued us from that. And he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Number three, we've been ransomed and forgiven. Ransomed and forgiven. Verse 14 says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The only thing that comes between us and God is our sin. I remember doing something years ago as a middle schooler. And I remember being at school that day and knowing I was going to have to go home and face my father. And this thing that I did, I was so, so ashamed. I was so in trouble. <laughs> I know I was going to, when I got home, Man, that's just, I'm going to have to face. I wish that whole school day that my classes would never end. I wanted to stay in school forever. The only day in my life I've ever wanted to stay in school forever. It got to the end of the day and I was so mad. I remember thinking, oh, I wish it was first period again. I wish it was first period again. Because there was this thing that stood between me and my dad. And if I could just like get it out of the way, if I could just, like it never had happened, but it did. There's this thing that comes between us and our Heavenly Father. It's called sin. But look what it says here. The forgiveness of sins. In whom we have, in Jesus, in Jesus, we have redemption. We're redeemed. We're, we're, we're brought back. We have the forgiveness of sins. There's nothing that comes between us and the Father. In Colossians chapter 1 Verses 5 through 7, I picked out a couple phrases here. The true message of the gospel that has come to you, you learned it from Epaphras. 
What about those in Newton who've never heard? We're starting this new year. I'm just trying to focus us on what's most important. Jesus is most important. Jesus is supremely sufficient. There's nothing in your life that you have need of right now that Jesus will not meet. But what about those who haven't heard? What about those in Newton that, like you remember the day, you remember the day when you first heard the gospel, right? You could probably write down the name of the person that shared the truth of Jesus with you. Many of you could. But what if they never did? What if they never did? What if the people around the corner from me when I was a kid, they never had that little kid's Bible club and they never invited neighborhood kids to it and I never went? Where would I be today? I can't imagine, I can't imagine where I'd be today, who I'd be, what I would be, the things I would be struggling with. All I have to do is look at the friends I grew up with, look at some people in my family, look at the region where I I live, the community, and I can imagine where I'd be today. I wouldn't be here. Where would you be if that person never talked to you about Jesus? If you didn't have any of this going for you, if nothing in Colossians really applied to you, where would you be? That's where some people in Newton are. You guys, we're Community Heights. We're the Church of God. We're the body of Christ in Newton. When you go out, look around. Look for those people who can't claim any of this in Colossians for for themselves. In this next slide, it says we have a message to share, but we also have a life to live. We have a life to live. The gospel isn't just information to transmit to somebody. It's a life that we get to live, and other people see that life. We get to share that life with them. So as we engage the emerging generation, we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks. As we mobilize our church, as we continue to become a healing place, as we continue to expand our reach, we start first right here in Newton. So it would be really cool if all of you had like a little thing of names floating over the top of your head. You know, all all these first names of these people that are in your life that don't know Jesus yet. And you have the opportunity to do it. It's not weird. It's not uncomfortable. It's nothing to be afraid of. You have this treasure in your body and you carry it around in your heart, in your soul. And God will deliver it from you to the next person. God will do it. Just be open. Just be normal. Just be natural. Just be organic. Just talk to people like you always do. And when God brings something, just share it. When God brings something, share it. When God brings someone, receive them. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. He'll work through you. But I want you to turn your radar on. When you go out, turn your radar on. We're back with people now, more so than ever. This is a busy time. Turn your radar on. Look for those people that, that don't know yet, that can't claim any of this yet, and ask God how you can share Jesus with them. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time that we can come before you, Lord, and worship you together and open your word and look at it. And God, as we've looked at Colossians, we see these people uh, who are being distracted, who are being pulled off course, who are being redirected into, into uh, things that aren't true. And we're full of that in our lives, God. 
We've got things that aren't true swirling around us all the time. And God, I pray that as we look through this book of Colossians, as we rethink our our mission and our vision for our community and what you want to do in our church and through our church, through us, God, and the lives of others. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show us who we are in Christ and that you would show us how you've empowered us, that you would show us the people that you bring into our path and that you would give us the words to speak, the life to live before them, the love to share. We ask you to do that, God. We give you thanks and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.